Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for. 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit. 20% off gifts to celebrate the season. And 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC. In stores and online now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military and the other 99% of us we owe them online at americanveteranshow.com here's Stephen Tubbs welcome to this week's edition of the american veteran show thank you as always for joining us our sunday afternoon program would not be possible without our presenting sponsor thanks as always to attorney john boson and his team at boson law b o e s e n law bosonlaw.com fighting on behalf of veterans every single day their number 303-999-9999 coming up we have spent the well the past 3 or 4 weeks focusing on afghanistan and we will not stop just recently members who were killed in afghanistan they were laid to rest And now we have 13 different new families who are Gold Star families. So we'll talk about that. But this opening segment, Senator John Barrasso of Wyoming is not the most flamboyant or outspoken in the United States Senate. But this past week, he grilled the Secretary of State in D.C. Senator Barrasso. Thank you, Senator Schatz. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Secretary, President Biden has described the evacuation from Afghanistan as an extraordinary success. His words, extraordinary success. This has to be the lie of the 21st century. It's dishonest, and if he believes it, it's delusional. America can no longer ever say we leave no American behind, because Joe Biden did. And by your own testimony and your words this morning, There are still about 100 Americans trapped behind enemy lines. We've heard a lot about the 13 U.S. service members who died a couple of weeks ago. One was Riley McCollum of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. He was 20 years old, signed up for the Marines on his 18th birthday. Uh, His wife, Gigi, expecting a baby. The baby was delivered just yesterday, a baby girl. I stood with... Riley's family and his then pregnant wife on Friday in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, as his remains were brought back in a flag-draped coffin from Afghanistan. Never made it back home alive as a result of this administration's failures. People of Wyoming view this as having lost one of their sons, one of their children. It is a devastating loss. And they really do believe, believe that it is the administration who should hold the blame for what has occurred. Look, this withdrawal, and you've heard it from other senators on both sides of the aisle, has been an epic failure. No planning, no strategy, 
Now, it was cobbled together at the last minute, disorganized. It didn't have to be this way. I'm thinking back to your confirmation hearing. I raised a number of questions and concerns about your record on foreign policy failures in Syria, in Libya, in Iran. I said these botched decisions have serious consequences. I said I believe they embolden terrorist organizations around the globe. I said your decisions in the past have put lives of men and women who serve our nation at risk because of these failures. And I said I think it would be a grave mistake to confirm a secretary of state who has a demonstrated track record of repeatedly making the wrong decisions when it comes to American foreign policy and national security. And the actions I've seen from you over the last seven months have proven my assessment to be correct. The Biden administration's missteps are numerous. Failed to start evacuation operations until the fall of Kabul in August, despite announcing the withdrawal in April. Failed to heed the warnings of a collapse of the Afghan government and security forces in spite of warnings. Failed to prepare for a rapid Taliban takeover. Failed to adapt the politically motivated deadline for uh, withdrawal to the situation taking place on the ground because they were so focused on the calendar on the wall. Failed to keep Bagram Air Force Base, a place I've visited about eight or nine times. The U.S. military base, two runways that could be used to help evacuate civilians. And we just heard failure to prevent a vast arsenal of weapons from getting into the hands of the Taliban. I mean, it seems the most egregious, though, that I hear about in Wyoming and people all across the country are most offended by is abandoning American citizens as well as abandoning our allies in Afghanistan. Senator Portman went over the numbers. The Washington Post called it a moral disaster. I think it's a moral disgrace. You nearly dislocated your shoulder, though, patting yourself on the back for the great job you've done. I mean, just yesterday, you stated we did the right thing by our citizens in working feverishly to get every one of them out. But, but you didn't get every one of them out. You've admitted again and again we're talking about over 100 Americans. The top priority must always be getting all Americans home safely. As we continue the American Veteran Show, Wyoming Senator John Barrasso grilling the Secretary of State. And now with no U.S. personnel in Afghanistan, the Americans that President Biden left behind, instead of going on national TV and saying, we will not take the troops out until every American is out, their options for escaping are, are dwindling. So I'm trying to put this all together to say, how did we end up here? Uh, in April, the president made a decision at, uh, to announce everyone would be out by August 31st. May 8th, there was a rehearsal of, of, of concept, which is the address rehearsal for withdrawal. Uh, I, I know that the, the National Security Council was there, the Secretary of Defense, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of Homeland Security, they were all there. Um, my understanding is that you did not attend. Is that true? My deputy uh, responsible for uh the, uh, the operation was there. I, I know where you were. I think you should have been here instead. I understand in late June, the State Department was getting nervous because the military drawdown was moving on schedule, but not the civilian drawdown. You were running behind. I understand State Department was talking to the Defense Department to slow down the pace of military withdrawal, calling actually for, quote, tapping the brakes on military withdrawal. Isn't that true? Senator, I'm... Uh not going to get into any uh, internal deliberations or discussions that, uh, that we had. Uh, we worked on this uh, together every step of the way. In July, you got more warnings, State Department, things were getting bad. When did the State Department formally make the request to the Department of Defense for military-assisted evacuation, the non-combatant evacuation operation? Because that's a secretary 
or ambassador job? Uh, the, 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 the NEO was being planned, if necessary, uh, throughout the spring and summer. We revised the, uh, the plans uh, on a number of occasions. And ultimately, when the uh, government and security forces unexpectedly collapsed in the 11 days, uh, the NEO went into effect. So middle of August. That's correct. And why did you wait so long? Because we had a government and security forces in place uh, that, by every uh, estimate, uh, would be able to protect the city, protect Kabul, uh, protect the other provincial capitals, uh, certainly through the year. So yesterday you testified that the Taliban has been designated a terrorist organization. I want to be very clear on this, because that's what you said yesterday. Quote, the Taliban has been designated a terrorist organization. Does this administration believe the Taliban is a terrorist organization? Uh, it's designated under one of the designations. Uh, and any engagement that we have will be purely for the purposes of advancing our interests. Under one of the designations. Yes, when does this administration plan to list the Taliban as U.S. designated foreign Especially designated organization. terrorist organization. That's correct. And you testified this morning about the SIV washout rate. I think it's about 40 percent that they don't Before qualify. the chief of mission approval. That's correct. So, so what percentage of the Afghan population that left Afghanistan as part of our U.S. evacuation uh, efforts what percentage of those were vetted before they actually got on the airplanes? Uh, before they got on the airplanes yeah. uh, to leave Kabul? Uh, certainly not. Most of them were not. That's exactly why we established transit points in countries through negotiations with those countries to make sure that before anyone came to the United States, uh, they would be uh, vetted by uh, the different law enforcement and security agencies. So we established agreements. Uh, with uh, well more than a dozen countries. Last week, Secretary of State Antony Blinken getting grilled by many senators, including who you heard there, Wyoming Senator John Barrasso. We're just getting started this week on the American Veteran Show. When we come back, I'm going to share a text that came into the studio last week, and I hesitated to talk about it then. I wasn't going to talk about it this week here on the American Veteran Show. But because September is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month, it is appropriate, even though it's tough to talk about. And we'll do that next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. American Veteran Show. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. Thank you so much for always joining us. And welcome to those of you who go and visit later, AmericanVeteranShow.com, where you can hear every episode we have done in nearly five full years. And it is our pleasure to bring this to you, and we certainly appreciate you listening. This next little portion of our program I really hesitated whether or not we were ever going to bring it up again. But because this is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, here on the American Veteran Show, we tell you the truth and we tackle the tough subjects. So last week, it was right around 325 Mountain Time. I think it was last Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. And we received a text that comes into the studio, and all of us here on the air can, can get these texts that just comes from the app. And out of the blue, this text came in 
How would you like to have a veteran commit suicide live on the Stephen Tubbs show? And at first, my gut reaction was, and I responded, that is a sickening text. And it wasn't three seconds later where my brain kicked into gear and regretted sending that text because this person may have been in crisis. So I responded, are you in crisis? It was a few minutes later, this anonymous text came back and said it would make for great ratings. And I said, are you the veteran? And the text that came back, three letters, by B-Y-E. So behind the scenes, trying to do the regular program, it really rocked my world. And I instantly went to some people here in the building who have law enforcement experience, and they reached out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline and the Veterans Crisis Line, and we even followed up with the Denver Police Department. I reached out to my dear friends and one of the incredible nonprofit military charities out there, American Military Family and Debbie Quackenbush. We have profiled her on the program before. Last year, we went to Alabama on one of their veteran retreats. And she took it very seriously. Of course, I knew she would. We took it seriously here at the station. I personally took it seriously, especially after sending the knee-jerk text back. That is a sickening text. But again, it was within seconds I realized, wait a minute. This very well could be a veteran in crisis. We reached out. They reached out. Multiple agencies reached out and either had no return text or the number went directly to voicemail. Now, I will say this. There's a special place in hell if that was some sort of hoax. There's a special place in hell for that individual because somebody sent the text. However, what if, just what if, that was a legitimate cry for help? And would you know that we're five, six days after the fact as we air the American Veteran Show and no other texts have come in? It is our duty to take these issues seriously. And if you have been in the military, if you are a lowly civilian like me, If you know someone who is struggling, it is on us. Most of us God-fearing individuals, it is on us to take care of our fellow man. That does not mean get in a dysfunctional relationship, enter the drama triangle. That does not mean being codependent, but just a handout to shake, a cup of coffee to, to talk over. I think it is our duty. So if you are a man or woman of faith, Maybe you can say a prayer for those so desperate, perhaps, that they would reach out to a radio station to say it would make good ratings if a veteran killed themselves on your show. As we continue this week on the American Veteran Show, getting vaxxed. Well, the Space Force is talking about it. Hey, everybody. Uh, I just want to take a quick 
second and talk about vaccinations. First, I wanted to say um, we're close to 90% um, vaccinated military members, uh, guardians, 90%. So thanks for caring about each other. Thanks for putting the mission first and doing everything that we can do um, to hedge against against this pandemic and keep our mission going. Maybe most importantly, though, thanks for what you're doing for each other. I know there's folks with trepidation. I know there's folks with anxiety. And it's your conversations with each other that really matter. The stories about the people you know, um, the way that it's impacted your life or your family's life, um, what you've learned, how you work through your own um, uh, challenges. All those things, that sharing, that togetherness, that unity is important. And it really is something um, that I hope that you're proud of. I think this is how guardians um, should do everything. So thanks for, um, thanks for doing what we ask you to do. But maybe more importantly, thanks for doing it with grace. Thanks for doing it together. Thanks for doing it in a connected way um, that already just feels like this is how the Space Force does business to me. So I appreciate you. If you got questions, concerns, uh, let us know. We're working on getting more information out to help folks. But uh, thanks for your leadership. Thanks for everything you do. That's Roger Tauberman, Chief Master Sergeant of the U.S. Space Force. And I know I'm going to make veterans mad out there, but doesn't he sound like a nice guy? I mean, that was just off the cuff looking into the camera. And um, again, I think... uh, with the mandatory vaccinations with the U.S. military, at least leaders, like the Master Sergeant, at least they're talking. Just one other note before we go to the break. I want to go back to how we opened this segment. The Veterans Crisis Line, the Suicide Prevention Hotline, you can text and chat. That number is 1-800-273-8255. 8255. It is 24-7-365. is a hotline for veterans in crisis, and they will support you. You can text. Veterans in crisis, you can text for free. Get confidential support 24-7 via text as well. Again, the number 800-273-8255, and you will get a trained professional who can help, or maybe most importantly for you at that moment, or somebody you know, they can listen. 800-273-8255. We're back with the American Veteran Show straight ahead.
Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back, and thank you so much for joining us. We've got two more segments coming up just midway through the American Veteran Show on this Sunday. And, of course, if you miss an episode, Matt puts up every single episode we do at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Just click on Past Shows. So one of the things that we learned late last Friday, and was it released on a Friday just because that's when the investigation was over? That's when they wanted the press to be available for a press conference? Or was it strategic? I don't know. But sometimes when things, they call it in the business, in the industry, when things are dumped on a Friday, they know that because it possibly won't get as much news coverage as, say, a story that comes out on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And certainly there's the weekend where sometimes big stories are, quote-unquote, dumped. But we found out just a couple of days ago from General Kenneth McKenzie at U.S. CENTCOM in Florida that the drone strike just two days before the official withdrawal date from Afghanistan, that drone strike did not take out a member of ISIS-K. Instead, it was a tragedy. Ten civilians dead, including seven children. Good afternoon. I'm here to brief the results of the investigation I directed following the report of civilian casualties from our strike in Kabul on 29 August. Having thoroughly reviewed the findings of the investigation and the supporting analysis by interagency partners, I am now convinced that as many as 10 civilians, including up to seven children, were tragically killed in that strike. Moreover, we now assess that it is unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or were a direct threat to U.S. forces. I offer my profound condolences to the family and friends of those who were killed. This strike was taken in the earnest belief that it would prevent an imminent threat to our forces and the evacuees at the airport. But it was a mistake, and I offer my sincere apology. As the combatant commander, I am fully responsible for this strike and its tragic outcome. While I have begun with the most important findings of our investigation, I do want to provide the background leading up to the strike and include an explanation as to why we felt reasonably certain that this was a legitimate strike on an imminent ISIS-K threat, with no indication that the strike would result in civilian casualties, as we asserted in our initial statements. The strike on 29 August must be considered in the context of the situation on the ground in Kabul at Hamid Karzai International Airport following the ISIS-K attack that resulted in the deaths of 13 soldiers, sailors, and Marines, and more than 100 civilians at Abbey Gate on 26 August, and also with a substantial body of intelligence indicating the imminence of another attack. General Kenneth McKenzie, U.S. CENTCOM in Florida. He offered his profound condolences to the victims and their families. He said that it was our profound belief that ISIS-K was readying an attack on the airport in Kabul just two days before our official withdrawal. They targeted a white Toyota Corolla sedan via drone they felt was loaded with explosives, but it wasn't. The vehicle was actually carrying bottles of water. Let me label this as commentary here on the American Veteran Show He says that the responsibility is ultimately on him. That would 
coincide with how the president says the buck stops here, which it really doesn't. The president, again, this is commentary. The president has said the buck stops here, but in press conferences over the last month, he's blamed everyone else. It is my profound belief that offering profound condolences mean nothing. He won't lose a star. He won't miss a pension payment. And granted, to those of you that have been in the military, if you're active duty or military families, I'm a lowly civilian and I realize mistakes happen in wartime. And some of you may say, well, he did at least the right thing in acknowledging it. But it also came out just a couple of days ago on Friday, September 17th. This was weeks after the mistaken identity. And friends, seven children were casualties of this. And may they rest in peace, all 10 of the deceased after what General McKenzie said was, well, we thought we had a good lead and we were wrong. As we continue, this has basically been, for the most part so far, and it will continue in just a moment, really a show that has profiled Wyoming Senator John Barrasso. Unbeknownst to me, he has been involved in a lot of different things over the past week or so. But I do want to go back because Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, he was also one of those senators, as we talked about earlier in the program, who grilled the Secretary of State last week, Secretary of State Tony Blinken. Did the State Department give the Taliban a list or multiple list of Americans and or Afghans that we wanted out? Those reports and the idea that we would do anything to endanger our citizens or anyone else at a time when we were trying to save their lives is flat out wrong. Let, let me so just let, like a yes or no. Did you give them? Let the me let me be very clear, oh, Senator, if I may, please. Thank you. Um, in limited instances where we were seeking to get a bus or a group of people through a checkpoint, we gave a manifest to the people at the checkpoint to demonstrate that those people were expected. Roughly how many names were on the list you gave? It doesn't matter because they all... Dozens, hundreds, thousands. Give us some order of magnitude. This happened in a a handful of situations where to get through... Dozens? So is it your testimony it wasn't hundreds? I want to understand, did you give them thousands of names? No, we did not. Okay, hundreds? Not going to put a number on it, but it was, again... Why not? This is a hearing to discover how many names and how many of those individuals you gave the Taliban the name to have been targeted for torture or murder. Senator, by definition, these were uh, in limited instances with a bus or a group of people to get them through a checkpoint. They got through the checkpoint. So not only did you fail to evacuate Americans and green card holders who were there... But you also brought in tens of thousands of Afghans who had wholly inadequate vetting, bringing many of them to the United States. And one of the things that has done is that has brought in a humanitarian crisis to America. Child marriage and domestic abuse, tragically, are widespread in Afghanistan. According to the World Health Organization, more than half of the women in Afghanistan are married as child brides. And 90% of women are subject to domestic abuse. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas grilling the Secretary of State last week. Ever since the disaster began unfolding in Afghanistan, we've seen the Biden administration making political excuses. We've seen Democrats on this committee explaining at great length how everything that happened in Afghanistan is Trump's fault. 
It's all Trump's fault. Mr. Secretary, Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Kamala Harris is the vice president of the United States. You are the United States Secretary of State. Just like Jimmy Carter owns the disaster of the Iran hostage crisis, you own this. Words from Ted Cruz. Again, we try our best not to be political on this program. Friends, sometimes it's virtually impossible. And the aforementioned senator from Wyoming, John Barrasso, we will have more in the coming weeks on just what the hell happened with Joint Chiefs Chair Mark Milley, General, last year around the election, making a phone call to his counterpart in China? Many people debated this past week, was it treasonous? John Barrasso on General Milley on Fox. The American people deserve accountability. General Milley's going to have to testify under oath about what really happened, because these allegations are serious. We have a country where it is the civilians that oversee the military, not the other way around. It's in the Constitution. There's a chain of command. That chain needs to be followed. But again, these are allegations in a book. And uh, we have to verify all of these, get to the bottom of this. And if they're true, then General Milley is going to have to go. That from Senator John Barrasso. You will also hear from him coming up in our last segment as he focuses on Riley McCollum, one of the 13 killed in Afghanistan. And we'll have that coming up. Glad you're with us. Again, AmericanVeteranShow.com. If you ever miss an episode, all of our past shows are there. And we're glad that you're with us on this Sunday. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Our final segment this Sunday on the American Veteran Show. And if you are not a fan of Senator John Barrasso, well, sorry to disappoint, because he has made an appearance in three of our four segments this week. And we include him in our final segment for very important reasons. It was a little less than a week ago, almost seven days ago, six days ago to be exact. On Monday of last week out at Camp Pendleton, little baby Levi Riley Rose McCollum was born. She will never know her biological father. The Wyoming native was killed among the 13 at Hkaya, the airport in Afghanistan, last month. And last week, Senator Barrasso paid tribute to McCollum on the floor of the United States Senate. I come to the floor today to pay tribute to the life and service of Lance Corporal Riley McCollum. Now, he was from Bondurant, Wyoming, on Thursday, August 26th. The United States lost 13 men and women in uniform, 11 Marines, an Army soldier, and a Navy corpsman. They were killed by a terrorist attack in Kabul, Afghanistan. At least 20 additional Marines were wounded. 
It was the deadliest day for our nation's military in more than a decade. One of those fallen heroes was Lance Corporal Riley McCollum. Madam President, he was just 20 years old. Riley McCollum's life demonstrated the best of our nation. His dad, Jim, told me that Riley was full-blooded, red, white, and blue, and from the very beginning. Riley's dad, Jim, wanted to serve in the military, but he couldn't because of a medical issue. Well, his son, Riley, grew up with that same great desire to serve our nation. Riley's father said, and his family said, he wanted to be a Marine from the very beginning. His sister, Royce, said that he ran around <laughs> in his diapers and cowboy boots with his rifle. He attended Jackson Hole High School. He graduated from Summit Innovations High School in Wyoming. And he made a real name for himself all around the state as a champion wrestler. Now, he had the kind of talents and abilities which he could have done anything and everything. He wanted to serve America. He joined the Marines literally as soon as he could. He signed up on his 18th birthday. His plan was to serve in uniform and then come home to Wyoming. His goal was to teach history and coach wrestling. On August 26th, on his first deployment, he stood guard at the Hamid Karzai Airport in Kabul, Afghanistan. He protected the airport as Americans and our allies escaped to safety. His mission saved thousands of lives. While Riley was protecting others, he was killed by a terrorist bomb. Now, Riley had just been married in February. His wife, Gigi, was expecting the first child, and he was excited to become a father. His child will never know Riley, yet his child will always know that Riley McCollum, her father, was a hero. On Friday, I stood side by side with Riley's family and his pregnant wife, Gigi, at the airport in Jackson, Wyoming, as Riley's flag-draped casket was brought home for his very last trip to Wyoming. And today I got a text from Gigi with this magnificent picture. This came in the, the text came within the last hour or so. And we were able to do a blow up of the, the text picture. It's Naval Hospital, Camp Pendleton, Wyoming, welcomes baby girl Levi Riley Rose, eight pounds, ten ounces, September 13th, today at 2 a.m. There's the baby, and there's the cutout. Senator John Barrasso from the floor of the United States Senate paying tribute to Riley McCollum, one of 13 of our service members killed last month.
May they all rest in peace and may God comfort their families. In our final moments together this week on the American Veteran Show, a positive story. Glad you can listen. A World War II veteran took on an urgent mission more than a decade ago, and it just paid off. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Inside the Vitalia Senior Residences in Strongsville, Ohio, 95-year-old Frank Grassberger sits on a treasure. Literally sits. In fact, Frank says, other than his wife Dolores, almost nothing matters more to him than this note, which he carries everywhere. I'd never be without it. Why did it matter so much that you have it with you all the time? Because it's something that somebody thought of me that much. When he has that letter with him, he has a feeling of faith and trust and love. To understand how a letter can do all that, you first need to know that Frank is a World War II veteran. And back in 2009, a third grader wrote to thank him for his service. If it wasn't for you, we would never have freedom. I'm so happy you made sacrifices. Your friend, Deshauna Priest. To Frank, that simple thank you came to symbolize a life well served. I'm tickled to death that I have a letter like this. He wanted to thank the author. We never could find her. He says, before I close my eyes, I, I, I have to find her. I have to find her. Just about everyone who works here was well aware of Frank's attachment to that letter and his decade-long desire to find the little girl who wrote it. So the staff did some sleuthing. And lo and behold, Deshauna is now 21. (laughs) She vividly remembers writing the letter as a school assignment because she so admired people in uniform. It's like, wow. I get to write to a vet. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like an honor. Yeah. An honor that continued so here she is. when Deshauna surprised Frank Hello. in her National Guard uniform. Oh, I love you so much. You can't imagine the feeling I had when she stood next to me. It just took my breath away. It really did. I thought, where's his heart pills? Because I thought, oh, this is it. This is the big one. I'm telling you, this is a godsend. It really is. Fortunately, Frank's heart only swelled and may never return to its original size. So this is the beginning of something. Yeah, a friendship. (laughs) Family, not friendship. (laughs) There's love there, deep down in the heart. She's like my third daughter. She really is. It started with a lot of love and affection, and it's ending the same way. Who knew a simple thank you could make a life complete? Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Strongsville, Ohio. Isn't that just fabulous? So glad we could play that for you. And Steve Hartman, one of the great reporters in this country and a true storyteller. For producer Matt Steinkruger, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Have a terrific week ahead. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, remember our troops.
Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.